This is Josh Kanak, and I'm a sales agronomist in CHS Ag Services in Hazel, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. Grain and oilseed outlook seminar taking place this morning at USDA's Ag Outlook Forum. USDA Lead Outlook Coordinator Andrew Sowell says there's expectations that 2023 will be a year of high commodity prices. It's projected up about up nearly 3% to 228 million acres, which would be the largest in nine years. High prices and expectations of strong profitability have driven up the forecasts for major crops. But I think it's important to understand this projection assumes normal planning conditions. Some of the low years we've seen in recent memory, notably 1920 and 22-23, were down due to overly wet conditions in the northern plains, which prevented some acres from being planted. We think that producers of the major crops will have plenty of incentive to plant this year, but we can't know what curveballs nature could throw at us when the time comes. So all we'll breaks down the acreage estimates. Corn acreage up about 2.4 million to 91 million. Uh, this is with high prices, strong profitability. Soybeans holding steady at 87.5, not losing any ground and staying at a pretty strong planting level. Wheat is projected to have the biggest change, up 3.8 million acres to 49.5, which would be the largest all wheat acreage in seven years. Strong pricing for wheat drives this momentum with winter wheat acreage already up 11%, according to the NAS data. And while relative profitability of the various crops matters, an important consideration is always crop rotations, particularly in the current environment. Stonex market analyst Mark Lucas says the grains are seeing technical weakness triggered by the USDA Egg Outlook Forum. Uh, we really kind of pulled the rug out from underneath corn yesterday with some of the numbers that they came out with. Um, this is the Ag uh, Outlook Forum out in Washington, D.C., and a uh, big part of it was the yield numbers that they're planning on using for this year, which seemed to be, you know, well above what uh, people were expecting and, and uh just kind of really shook the confidence of the corn market here and, and gave uh, the funds a reason to come in and do some pretty aggressive selling. Economic concerns continue in the livestock trade. More fears of recession, I think, are just playing in the commodity complex in general, livestock, grains, you know, kind of everything. So, um, you know, even over into the energy side of things, we're seeing some weakness. So I think it's just kind of uh, everybody's uh, getting thrown out with the bathwater today. Agrisampo North American analyst Sterling Smith says the grains are seeing selling pressure from several areas. Technical sale, selling going on. We also have uh, continued follow-through selling from the uh, Outlook Conference report. Uh, looking at the way open interest has dropped in corn, pretty clear that we're seeing some fund liquidation, particularly for old crop. And the Outlook Conference served as a reminder that, yes, Corn supplies are probably going to be getting bigger and not smaller. I mean, we're at the very start of things, and this is the first look, and plenty can change. The livestock trade is seeing light pressure. Trade has been very slow. Cutouts have actually done pretty well over the last two weeks, and we're back pushing highs. 
Choice didn't do too much, but Select was uh, yesterday, but Select uh, did noticeably better. Cash sitting around 164. We have set the stage for the potential for futures to move up, um, but right now the Packers are being tough and not not wanting to pay up. But you got to think their supplies are getting a little bit tight, so at some point here um, they're probably going to have to pay up, but that may require a seeing choice move maybe close to $3 a pound. NDSU Distinguished Professor of Agribusiness and Applied Economics William Wilson spoke on transportation issues at the USDA's Ag Outlook Forum. Wilson says logistical costs out of Ukrainian ports have increased exponentially. Pre-war, the logistics going from farm through Odessa was $31 a ton. The lowest logistics costs in world agriculture less than half of what it is out of this country. And that's overwhelming importance because that allowed Ukraine to expand their production and exports of corn. Post-war, the range is 70 going through Odessa to 130 going through Constanza and Poland. So now just think about that. If, if world prices are like about $200 and logistics costs 130, that doesn't give very much money for the farmer. The increased logistical costs for Ukrainian farmers is weighing down production. So Ukraine normally has a capacity of about 7 million tons a month. Because of the closure of these ports and their restrictions, their capacities, about 3 million tons a month. Chinese imports went from 3 to 18, and phytosanitary was restricted. So these are mega, mega changes on world agriculture. Egg land values have climbed drastically in the last few years. Steffes Group President Scott Steffes says he's seen more investment in land from farmers than anyone else for one main reason. Farmers value land above other assets. You know, if you own land, it's been tall cotton here for the last few years. And, of course, uh, don't sell it, folks. Just make sure of that. And the other side of it is, is that, you know, it's a function of the market. Uh, in the agriculture world, especially for farmers, here's something. Farmers have always valued land above all else. And land is way more important than cash and way more important than profitability or even any of those other circumstances. Don't get me wrong, profit's important, but boy, you know, as long as, as, long as the American farmer values real estate as they should, this land deal is always going to be good. Record land sales per acre have made headlines in Iowa. Steffa says those trends usually take a few years, but eventually make it to the Red River Valley, especially as demand for crop expands more locally. When land values are high in Iowa, there's a reason for that. First of all, there's more farmers, more people. And secondly, you know, they get more money for their crops because they're closer to the consumer. They get the Mississippi River there. Um, their basis are substantially different than they are here in, in North Dakota. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, the market's pretty smart. It really is. And I guess that's, that's the reason that cer certain things happen. And it happens over time. And it always kind of rises to the top. Reporting agriculture's business. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. USDA's weekly export sales report was released a day later due to the Monday holiday. 
Combined old and new crop sales of uh, corn sales at 849,000 metric tons are 24% less than the previous week, 33% less than the four-week average. Soybean sales of 557,000 uh, tons are 28% less than the previous week, 38% less than the four-week average. Net old and new crop wheat sales of 419,000 tons, 80% more than the previous week, 50% more than the four-week average. To celebrate youth in agriculture and agricultural education during the National FFA Week, the Red River Farm Network is highlighting the su success stories of former FFA members from Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. FFA is no stranger to young entrepreneurship and ambition. Since graduating from Fertile Beltrami High School, Britton McGregor has attended the University of Minnesota Crookston, pursuing a degree in agriculture education. While starting a photography and videography business, Britton Falseth Design, and farming with her husband. She credits her confidence and success today to FFA. I don't know if I'd be where I am without FFA because in seventh grade, I didn't even know what the word agriculture meant. I was required to take an intro on agriculture course, learned what it was, learned about FFA. I joined every competition I could do. I really started seeing me excelling in FFA after I did the national talent competition, gained more confidence through that. FFA has taught me so much, not just about agriculture, but also about real life skills. I started my own photography and videography business called Burton Fuel Set Design. Planning on going full-time with that. I married a farmer up here. I'm looking at full-time photography, but I also want to target it more towards agriculture and doing some egg literacy with it as well. McGregor will finish her student teaching in Thief River Falls this spring. She encourages students to engage fully in the opportunities FFA offers. Risk boldly and live fearlessly. Do it. Put yourself out there. It can be scary. I know you're setting up for something that you're not comfortable with. I wasn't either, and it took me so far in life. Um, and it's a great opportunity, even if you decide that maybe it isn't something you like. You still got that experience, and you still tried it out, and that's the cool thing is that you can say you did it. RRFN's National FFA Week coverage is sponsored by the Minnesota Agricultural Education Leadership Council, Proceed, Nutrient Egg Solutions, and the Northern Canola Growers Association. Follow RRFN's National FFA Week coverage on Twitter at RRFN and Facebook. USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending February 16th shows net beef sales of 15,400 metric tons. That's 45% less than the previous week and 35% less than the four-week average. Beef exports are reported at 16,700 tons. Top destinations are South Korea, Japan, China, Mexico, and Taiwan. Net pork sales of 52,000 metric tons are 16% more than the previous week and 39% more than the four-week average. Pork shipments of 29,000 are 4% less than the previous week. Top destinations are Mexico, Japan, China, South Korea, and Canada. New partnership was put into place at the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture's Winter Policy Conference between NASDA and the USDA, the National Pork Board, as well as the National Pork Producers Council. That'll enhance co uh, coordination and preparedness uh, for African swine fever. Now, African swine fever hasn't currently been uh, crossed into the U.S., but the coordinated prevention methods are to ensure the protection of America's swine herds.
USDA has $2 million available for risk management education and training. The Risk Management Agency is making the funds available to Extension, universities, and nonprofit organizations. Proposals must be submitted by April 24th. The Food and Drug Administration has announced draft recommendations for plant-based foods. It will continue to allow plant-based food industry to use dairy terms such as soy milk. The National Milk Producers Federation said the FDA guidance recognizes plant-based beverages do not have the nutritional value found in dairy products. However, National Milk remains upset with the labeling confusion. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Noah Fish. Noah, what do you have for us in the cover of Ag Week? So this is a part of the Ag Week special reports, and we're obviously looking at the farm bill coming up. And uh, my piece is on food insecurity. And so we kind of looked at how rural counties make up 63% of all U.S. counties, but they represent 87% of counties with food insecurity rates in the top 10. So that, in other words, that means that counties with the highest rates of food insecurity are rural. And so another thing with, with people being rural and facing in rural insecurity or food insecurity is that uh, there aren't a lot of options. I mean, a lot of rural populations have seen uh, an increase in dollar stores coming in, and so that's taken away from the Main Street grocery stores that, that might have more nutritious options. So the biggest thing that I was looking at in my report is that uh, the SNAP benefits, the emergency SNAP benefits that um, – that stepped in during the pandemic uh, are going to be gone uh, in March. So a lot of those families that were counting on uh, $280 are going to be counting on $20 uh, coming in March. So there's going to be a big impact to, to people facing food insecurity. Are there options? There are uh, there are some options, but not a ton of options. And so the, the food banks, um, I, I talked to the Great Plains Food Bank uh, in North Dakota, which is the only food bank that services North Dakota, and Hunger Solutions in Minnesota. And so they're expecting a lot of these people that are going to go off SNAP benefits to turn to them. And the food banks uh, aren't really prepared for that. So it's kind of a, a time of worry right now. Sounds interesting. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's check numbers before we leave you this afternoon. May wheat in Minneapolis down 18 and three quarters cents, 885 and a quarter. Chicago May wheat is down 27 and three quarters at 722 and three quarters. Kansas City May wheat down 22 and a half at 834 and a quarter. May corn down eight and a half at 650 and three quarters. December down eight, 577 and a half. Uh, May soybeans uh, down eight and three quarters at fifteen eighteen and three quarters. November's down fourteen and a half at thirteen seventy three and a quarter. May canola down a dollar ten a metric ton eight twenty one sixty Canadian. The uh, April live cattle down seven cents one sixty five twenty five. June's down thirty. April feeder cattle down twenty cents at one ninety three forty seven. The May though seventeen higher. April lean hogs down thirty two cents at eighty five eighty seven. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network. <laughs>